but the idea of ecclesia as a gathering is anytime people come together. It wasn't initially a church word. It wasn't a Christian word. It was a church or is a term that was describing a gathering of people. Guess what a mob is called? An ecclesia. <laughs> anytime people gather wherever they are, that's an ecclesia. However, God took the idea of a gathering and he now moved it into a purpose. We gather for a purpose. And our purpose is first and foremost to exalt and make the name of Jesus famous. The second part is to be a people. To be a people who come together and do life together. And so as we come into this new year, some of you are getting back into the swing of things and stuff gets busier. It's easy to get busy. But here's the challenge, especially if you call Zion your home. Don't just consume. Become a part of it. Become a part of what God is doing. And I don't mean get busier. I don't mean that you have to go to a thousand things. In fact, we're starting a new series called Simple. And the whole point of this idea of simple is that sometimes we complicate stuff way too much, don't we? What if Christianity could be a simple thing? What if being a part of a church could be a simple thing? How many of you would like to see simpler in your life? Can I get an amen? Okay, so here's what I want to encourage you. A couple things. First, Find ways to become a part of something. So we have our three values, belong, believe, become. You guys remember, we've talked about these a lot over the last year. Last year, we focused on belong. And that you don't have to. We're a church that really believes that you can wrestle with doubt, that you don't even have to believe in Jesus yet to belong to a part of what God is doing here. Which means if you have questions, if you have doubts, if you're not sure about this Jesus stuff, you're just coming because your, your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your fiance or your husband or your wife or your grandmother, or maybe you just stumbled in thinking it was a bar, I don't know. But whatever reason why you're here, you can be a part of this. You can be a part of the church even if you don't belong yet, if you don't believe yet. Belonging is about being a part of something. Now, we are unabashedly about Jesus. Let's be clear. We are a church. We are a gathering of people who love Jesus and want the name of Jesus to be made known. And so we're not going to, there's no bait and switch here, okay? You're not going to come and think you're going to get one thing. And they talk about Jesus there. Did you know that people are never shocked when churches talk about Jesus? They're not. I've never met somebody who's like, I can't believe a church talked about Jesus. Oh, the nerve. I've never seen that. <laughs> never seen it. However, sometimes people think that the only thing that a church exists for, the only thing is to try and make converts. We're not trying to make converts. We're trying to make disciples. And that's ultimately, we wanted, that moves us to our third one is to become. And it's a journey and it's a process. And so as we come into this year, start praying, Lord, what does it mean for me to be a part of, to belong to a gathering of people who love Jesus? And maybe you're not there yet and that's okay. Or maybe you are. And, and now I just, I'm going to make a shameless plug because we, we need it, but it's also, it's part of community. Um, there are areas of ministry, not just Sunday morning, but other areas where we need people to be engaged and involved. And, and that's part of being part of a church. And so as those things come up, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time because that's not the purpose of this message, but as those things come up, tech needs, children needs, um, hospitality, uh, being in missional communities, small groups, those things come up. Our first reaction usually is, oh, someone else will do it. That's the first, I do it all the time. I'll let somebody else. That's not my calling. <laughs> and maybe, just maybe, part of how God works in our faith is we step into things and God grows something in us. Does that make sense? It's like that old adage, what comes first, the feeling or the smile? Did you know that it's impossible to not eventually be happy if you're smiling? Your body follows your, or your brain follows your body. Sometimes faith is the same way. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about that. 
Um, last year, like I said, we started our focus on belonging and, and what does it mean to belong, to be a part of the church. And, and here's the thing why I, I think it's important that we started with belonging, but we don't stay there, is that I believe that often faith, becoming a part of a church, believing in Jesus, sometimes comes after belonging. Not always, before. That sometimes you'll come in and you'll step into something and God begins to work in it. And as he works in it, you move from belonging to believing and then becoming. I look at my brother Lee Nagel, who's nodding his head over here. And, and one of the things that, you know, here's the thing. I, uh, sometimes we, we love to talk about faith as if that needs to be the first part. Sometimes faith comes later. And I look at my brother Lee and other people that I know in this church who sometimes stepped into things because they were curious. Isn't it amazing what curiosity does in people? Sometimes curiosity leads to greater things in your life. What if we were more curious about God? Well, what if we were more curious about this Jesus person who wasn't just a traveling rabbi, but who we believe was God become flesh? What if curiosity, belonging, leads to believing, and then that eventually leads to becoming? Everybody tracking with me so far? Yes, tracking? Okay. So here's where we're going. We are unapologetically about Jesus. We make no bones about it. Um, we're not going to ever mislead people on it. We want people, I want you to believe in Jesus. I do. But not because it affects me, but because I believe it's worth it. Because I believe that Jesus is worth following. But here's what happens. And, and, and when we talk about belief, I mean, there's a lot of things that we believe in as a church. And, and I just want to be clear here. Um, all the things that we believe in, sometimes they can get complicated. For instance, uh, we believe... That God is three persons, Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's a mystery that the human mind cannot comprehend. No matter how hard we try, the Trinity will, it blows our minds away because it's something outside of us. We can't comprehend of it, but we believe in it. We believe that Jesus became flesh. God became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ who lived a sinless and perfect life, died on a cross, three, three days later rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe that this book points us to Jesus. That this book teaches us how to live for and love God, others, and ourselves. We also believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And he is a person. He's not some floating essence that's woo, like a ghost floating around. No, we believe the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead, but distinct. He's not Jesus. Jesus and the Holy Spirit are not the same person. They're different persons. But Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, and we believe that through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit helps us confess that Jesus is Lord. We believe that the Holy Spirit empowers us for faith and life, that the Holy Spirit gives us gifts and helps us become more like Jesus. So it's not something we do on our own. We also believe that God created his people to be in fellowship with him and others in this thing called the church, the ecclesia, the gathering, and that being a part of the local church, while not necessary for salvation is absolutely necessary to be healthy, growing, and maturing as a follower of Jesus. In other words, if you're not part of a church, you're not growing. You're just not. And, and some people are like, oh, I, don't need, I don't need a church to grow my faith. Yes, you do. According to God's word, you absolutely have to be in a church. You have to be in a community of believers. Otherwise, your growth will be stunted. Doesn't mean you're not saved, but it means you're stunted in your growth. You're like a five-year-old drinking coffee. Devil's juice. Hate the stuff. Some of you are like, I'm leaving right now, pastor. <laughs> Can't believe he said he hates coffee. I'm never going to that church again. If that's the reason why you leave the church, well, that's dumb. All right. 
I share all of this because let's be honest. This stuff can feel complicated, can it? Think about all the things that I just talked about. Those can feel super complicated. Wait, so the Trinity, I got to believe in the Trinity and I got to believe in this and I got to believe in this and I got to believe in this. And all of a sudden, faith becomes super complicated. And that got me thinking about what are some of the obstacles to believing? Not even just belonging. What are the obstacles to believing in Jesus, to putting your faith and hope and trust in Jesus as your Messiah, as your King, as the Christ? And now here's the thing. That's a pretty big question, isn't it? I mean, I want you to think about how many of you, by show of hands, and you can be honest, I'm not going to ask you what you are, how many of you sometimes struggle with believing? And my, I, I do. I'll be honest. I do all the time. There are times that my mind goes, yeah, I can't be real. It does. I struggle. I struggle with it. And, and part of the reason why I struggle with it is that um, believing in Jesus is not always easy. It's just not. Now, some people have this gift of faith where for them, like, I've never struggled in faith in my life. I've just always believed. That's amazing, and it's a gift. But for me and for many other people, sometimes this faith stuff, believing in Jesus, is not that easy. And so what do we do about that? See, it's, it's something that there are seasons in our lives, in my life, and I'm going to share a season that lasted rather lengthily for me, but I've had seasons in my life where it felt like I was struggling to believe. I was doing everything I could to believe, and there were times when I just wanted to throw it all up and just say, I'm done. I, don't, I just, I can't, I can't. And yet, here I am, obviously, six years later, I, I still believe, but I want you to know I wrestled, and just like we're moving from summer to fall and then to winter and then to spring, it's, we all have seasons in our lives, and some of you might be in a season of doubt right now. Doubt is not the same as unbelief. Human beings doubt. It's part of it. And here are some of the things why I struggle. And maybe you can relate. I struggle in times of change. When things are changing or up in the air, sometimes I struggle to believe that God is still in control. Sometimes when there's death or heartache or tragedy, when things come to an end, sometimes I struggle to believe that there's hope on the other side. Anybody relate to that? Sometimes I struggle, even when I'm in seasons of growth or success, when everything's going well, sometimes I struggle to believe and remember that I didn't do this by myself. That, you know, for farmers, farmers can appreciate this. You can plant, you can water, you can do all the right things, but you can't make anything grow, can you? That's outside of your control. Sometimes I forget that when things are going really well, when things are successful, that there was something outside of me involved, and I believe that was God. Sometimes I struggle when things are good. I struggle to believe I still need God because things, well, things are good. That's the problem with doubt is there's always something in my life and maybe in yours that can lead to struggling. For some of us, for me, believing faith in Jesus isn't always easy. And yet I still believe. And, and today I want to talk to you. I want to share with you something that has carried me through. I'm not saying it's going to carry you through, but I believe it's what's carried me through. But I want to start sharing a time in my life when I had an incredibly difficult time believing. A time when I was really, I, I wrestled. And at one point, I, I literally, I was like, I don't know if I want to believe. It's not that I didn't. I just didn't. I didn't know if I wanted to because it was a really difficult season. Um, in 2015, and you've heard me talk about this before, um, Lisa's mom was diagnosed with cancer. 
Diagnosed in February, she, was, uh, she died Halloween of that year. And we prayed every night for her to be healed. Now, Lisa's mom loved Jesus. She loves Jesus even more now because she's in his presence. But she loved Jesus. And when she died, that was hard for us. But that wasn't the only thing. See, we went through a year of difficulty. And in that same, not 2015, but in a year-long period of time, the church that I was pastoring closed. That in just four years earlier, my family picked up and moved and left this amazing community in Rosemount, Minnesota, a community we loved because we believed God was calling us to a new opportunity, a new adventure to move to San Jose, California. I'm so glad I'm out of California now. Can I just get a what, what, amen? <laughs> Some people are like, why do you live in Clear Lake, Iowa? Live in California for a year, you'll understand why Clear Lake, Iowa is awesome. Um, but this church that we came in, I mean, I, I remember moving there in 2012 and so excited about what was coming. And four years later, we watched as we ended up having to shut down that church. The way we put it is we got the church healthy enough to die. In a year, we lost Lisa's mom. I lost my job. We lost a community. We left a community. We literally moved back to Phoenix, to Scottsdale to live with her dad. And then we went through what I call the year of forced sabbatical. <laughs> And it was a year in which we were applying and talking to churches everywhere. And, and, and literally, no, no lie, before I came here, I probably had seven or eight different churches that were good-sized churches, similar or larger than Zion. And it came down to me and one other person. And this is what I heard every time. Man, you're awesome. This guy's just a little bit more awesome, but just need. You were so close, which, by the way, doesn't help. <laughs> doesn't help at all. And I remember as we started rounding and, and it kept on going and getting longer, I had a season there where I was like, God, I'm trying to be faithful and it's not happening. And I, and I just, for a few, there were a few moments in there where I just felt done. I wasn't sure if I wanted to follow Jesus anymore. I, didn't, I wasn't sure if I believed it anymore. I wasn't sure where things were. Now, here's where I share this with you because I'm human just like the rest of you. My, my faith has its moments and struggles, and I've still had those. I just went through another season not too long ago where there were some difficult times. And for me, it's usually not the good times that I forget God. It's the bad times. It's when things aren't going my way when I'm just like, is this real? Is, is this really, Lord? Now, obviously, here I am six years later, and my faith has survived. Praise the Lord. And, and I want to tell you um, what, what, it, what, what it wasn't. Why my faith survived wasn't because I'm such a strong and mature believer. Now, notice what I said. I purposely said the word mature because sometimes we think, you know, is he mature or immature? No one is a mature believer. We are maturing believers. We're all in process. My faith is growing just like everybody else's. I have seasons in my life where sometimes my faith is here and sometimes my faith is here. We're all in process. But I didn't make it through because I'm strong and I'm a mature believer. I also didn't make it through because I had some supernatural encounter like a burning bush was like, oh, that didn't happen. That, I didn't have that. No, there were no miraculous escapes from the fire like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There was no miraculous moment. It's also not because I went to school and got an education. My, my masters of divinity did not sustain me in that time of doubt, in that time of wrestling where I wasn't sure. It also wasn't because of the ridiculous amount of books in my office. Yes, I have a, a lot of books. I was actually shamed by somebody for so many books that I had. And, tough, I like them. <laughs> I also didn't make it through because I'm a pastor. 
Right now, there is an epidemic happening in the church. Pastors are resigning a lot right now. The pandemic did a number on pastors, which goes to show you that pastors, just because you have a position in the church doesn't mean that you've got it figured out. This is just my job. Pastor is not my identity. This is the thing that God has called me to. Being a pastor is not what sustained me in those times of doubt, especially when I wasn't a pastor at the moment. It also wasn't because I held a certain theological position on infant baptism versus dedication versus tongues and not tongues. And it also wasn't because uh, I believed in predestination or not. None of that stuff carried me through. So that got me thinking, what got me through? What was it that gets me through those times when my faith is wrestling and doubting? What has sustained me? And I believe it was one thing. And I'm going to share with you what that one thing was. That one thing that helped me move forward. And again, it wasn't because I was mature. We did see God do some miraculous things in that year. But in that time, how many of you ever seen something miraculous happen? And your first thought is, well, that was a coincidence. Come on, I can't be the only person who does that. Like, my first reaction is to go, well, that was good luck. No, I believe that's the Lord working. But in the moment, it's easy to forget or not see what God is doing. It wasn't because of those things. And I'll tell you for sure, when someone's dealing with someone dying, no one goes, hmm, I wonder how the Trinity will help me work through that. No one does that. When we were praying for Lisa's mom to get better, not once did I go, oh, is it speaking in tongues or not speaking in tongues? I don't know. None of that helped. So what got me through? What carries me through? And, and I don't think the irony is not lost on me that I can't tell you how many times I've sat with somebody sitting on the other side of me as a pastor and I'm encouraging them how to sustain their faith and here I had a season where my faith was not sustaining. And so this morning I want to share with you what got me through. And at first it's going to sound super trite. It's going to sound super Christianese and bumper sticker. Um, but I hope you'll stay with me long enough. It was faith. But I want to tell you it's not the faith you expected. What carried me through wasn't faith in God. It wasn't even faith in the Bible. It wasn't even faith in Jesus. It was, now don't get me wrong, I have faith in all those things. I have faith in God. I have faith in the Bible. I certainly have faith in Jesus. But there was one thing that carried me through and still carries me through, and to be totally honest, um, what it does is when I, when I started thinking about what that one thing was, it uncomplicated faith for me. And I didn't know it at the moment. I really didn't. I, I didn't look back when we were going through that and going, oh, thank you, Lord, this sustained me. No, as I was praying and processing and thinking through this message, I started thinking about what is the one thing, if I could uncomplicate faith, what is the one thing that consistently makes me go, oh, that's why. That's, that's why I believe. That's why when things are hard, I still come back, not perfectly. And, and so here, um, I want you to think about all the things that complicate faith very quickly. I mean, there are a lot. We, we talk about, I mean, from all the different books and podcasts, theologies, the different church denominations, are you Lutheran, Baptist, Charismatic, Calvinist, Armenian? What do you believe about the end times, evolution versus creation, uh, free will versus predestination, political positions, questions about sexuality? All these things tend to overcomplicate faith. Would you agree with me? They do. They tend to make following Jesus tough. And to make matters worse, when you add on top of the amount of abuse, moral, ethical, sexual abuse happening in the church, that seems to complicate it even further. Which it's no wonder that there are so many people who don't even want to step inside the doors of a church or explore Christianity because it just seems all too much. 
Somebody, uh, we posted a job description for our worship director position. And a gentleman posted on there, basically, and I, why people do this on social media is beyond me, but decided to talk about why he doesn't believe in God in a very short post and said some very negative things. And, and at first I'm like, should I respond? I'm like, no, because what he wants to do is to fight. However, someone from our church did respond very lovingly. And I love the response as they said, hey, you know who'd love to talk to you about this? Pastor Jason would be happy to talk to you. It's clear you've had some. <laughs> I, I got a kick out of it. So here's, here's where I'm, what I'm getting to, okay? And, and I realize, you know, anytime we start a series, there's always a long buildup and people are like, get to it, Pastor Jason. I promise I am. Um, but here's where I'm talking about it is that it's not that I don't like talking about complicated issues. In fact, I love talking about that stuff. I do. It fuels me. I love good theological debate. I love talking about those complicated issues. But at the end of the day, none of those things carried me through. And I have a feeling none of them have ever carried you through tough times. So that being said, would you stand with me? We're going to read our scripture for today. It's found in 1 Peter. And I want you to read it out with me. We should have it up on the screen. Yeah, there it is. This is what I love about being back in the dock. I don't have to be like, would you all turn to your Facebook page or whatever else you're going <laughs> to... Let's just look here, okay? Everybody look up there. If you can read, read with me. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. The word of the Lord, you may be seated. Okay, so how do we uncomplicate faith? What is that one thing that carried me through, and I quite frankly believe it is the thing, that if we understand it, if we put our faith first, if this is the foundation of our faith, really becomes the thing that changes everything. And here's the thing. I didn't make this up. This isn't Pastor Jason coming up with wisdom. This is straight from God's word. The Apostles Paul actually said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is what Paul said. This is the new Jason standard version. He said, if this thing is not true, if it didn't happen, then our faith is a waste of time. And Christians of all people should be the most pitied. If this one thing that we have faith in did not happen... Everything else is a waste of time. That's why it's the most important thing. And I can tell you, as I started thinking back on what is this one thing, this is why this one thing changed everything for me and why even today in those moments of doubt of wrestling, I'm able to sustain. It's the resurrection. Now, some of you are like, hey, wait a second, Jason, this isn't Easter. You're 210 days early. Yes, I, I counted. 210 days. Um, here's the thing. Why is it that we as a church, if the, the, according to Paul, the most important thing to have faith in, the, faith, the thing that makes everything else matter, the foundation for everything else is a resurrection, why do we only talk about it one day a year? Now, we talk about it a lot, but we never emphasize it. It's always one of those things we say in a statement at the end of the message. It's no wonder that we have so many anemic Christians, people whose faith is struggling because they've built the foundation of their faith on everything but the most important thing, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. According to Paul, because if the resurrection didn't happen, everything else is a waste of time. 
Because it was the resurrection that declared that Jesus was God, not his teachings, not his virgin birth. It was the resurrection, which was the great amen, that revealed that he was God become flesh. Jesus could have died on the cross, but if he did not rise again, he would have just been another person who died. That's it. People die all the time. It was the resurrection of Jesus that changed everything. And I started thinking about why is it, what is, what is that thing that has sustained me? And you know the thing that really, and I don't, I don't mean this, this wasn't, this wasn't a bit, this wasn't like, what could be the cool thing I could share? I started thinking about it. You know the one thing that gives me hope? It's the resurrection of Jesus. That's, the, that's it. That is the thing that for me, and now some of you are like, Jason, here's the problem. I don't even know if I believe in the resurrection. I get that. The resurrection is kind of hard to believe in, isn't it? It is. We can't, we can't recreate it. You can't scientific method it. If someone says, show me the body, that's the point. There's no body, right? That's the point of the resurrection. That's also why it's called faith. The resurrection for me is what changed everything. And, and, and if that's the case, if the resurrection is the most important thing, it is the most uncomplicated, complicated thing there is. And once you begin to put that, and when you prioritize, celebrate, elevate, focus on that, it can change everything. Because here's the thing, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, and I don't mean like some sort of zombified walking dead Jesus, some people that's what they struggle with, is there, what does it mean he came back from the dead? Whole different conversation, here's the thing, Jesus came back fully resurrected, a glorified body, completely healed. He was not a broken Jesus who was, I'm alive. No, he was alive. Everything is based on the resurrection. And so I, I began to process through and realizing that if that's true, maybe all the debating and theologizing and all the things that we, we try to lead people to Jesus with, that's the problem is we're not starting with the most important thing. We're always trying to get people somewhere without actually addressing the foundational thing that once you get it, it uncomplicates everything else. Because once you believe in the resurrection of Jesus, then the other stuff, well, it's just talking points. It's things to wrestle through. And it's okay to wrestle through them. It's good to wrestle through them, but that's not it. Did Jesus die on the cross and three days later rise from the grave, thus defeating sin or death? That's the question. It is the most uncomplicated question you could ask. If you don't believe that, then you don't believe in Jesus. This is part of the problem with some denominations in Christianity right now. Some of them want to get rid of the resurrection and just believe in the idea of Jesus. That doesn't work. Either Jesus was God, became flesh, who died on the cross for our sins and then defeated sin and death after three days or later rose from the grave. That's the question. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that this is a simple question because it's not. The answer, it's a simple answer, but it's not a simple question because there are things you have to wrestle with. And that's what some of you are wrestling with right now. That's the struggle you have is, do I believe that Jesus rose again? I don't know. And, and if you're in that place, I'm here to tell you that's okay. Because simple does not mean easy or a lack of depth or richness. Simple means not complex. Do you get the difference? Simple doesn't mean easy. Simple doesn't mean that it lacks depth or richness. It just means not complex. Let me give you some examples. We just started football, or for some of you non-athletic type, sports ball. <laughs> Anybody can throw a football, right? 
Anybody can throw one. Doesn't mean you're throwing it well. <laughs> Anybody can, I mean, you can throw it. Even if you throw it backwards, guess what you still did? You threw it. It becomes complicated if you try and throw a spiral. And it's even more complicated when you can throw a spiral and drop it 30 yards out right into the breadbasket of the receiver. Simple act, complicated process. Does that make sense? But for those of you who are not into this thing called sports ball, let me give you another example. Money. Simple concept. Don't spend more than you make. In practice, really hard. <laughs> right? In pro and the idea of not spending more than you make is a very simple process. Actually doing it is hard. It requires discipline, a new approach to how you look at money, how you look at stuff. Simple faith is believing Jesus died on the cross and three days later rose from the grave. But hear me when I say this. I truly believe that once you begin to go, oh, I believe that. I have faith in that. When you are approached with the struggles in life, they tend to be a little bit not easier. It becomes more faithful in the process. And so I, I want to tell you how that happens, or at least how it happened for me. And it, and it really comes down to uh, the context of 1 Peter. And I want to, why we read our verse for today. Okay, so let me tell you the context of what's going on in Peter's letter to the church. Christians were not very well liked in culture. No one knows what that's like, right? No one knows what that's like today. Um, and what was happening in the Roman government and the Jewish leaders at the time, they were trying to give a bad name to Christians. So they were making up lies about Christians. And some of them were really weird. Like one of them was that Christians were like cannibals eating people because Jesus said, if you want to be a part of me, you have to eat of my body and drink of my flesh. That kind of sounds creepy, doesn't it? And so they were taking that literally and going, those Christians eat people. That's not what it meant. But they were also spreading lies about the church. And so Peter's telling them, he's like, listen, first of all, if they're not true, then consider it a blessing that people are lying about you because it means God's doing something. But if it is true, stop. Don't give them a reason to not like Jesus. And then he gives this comment, and here, listen, okay, so let me, I'm just going to read it again. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? So in other words, if you're already trying to do good in our community, by the way, one of our, one of our values is to love our city well, right? This is why we want to do it. If you're trying to do good in your community, who is going to be eager to harm you? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. In other words, elevate Christ first. Now here's the next part. And always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. The hope he's referring to is the resurrection of Jesus. And I know that because Peter goes on to say that just a few verses later. It was the resurrection of Jesus that gave the early church hope. In the midst of all the hard things happening, they were able to go, wait, Jesus went through a really hard thing. He died. And three days later, he came back. I can handle this hard thing because the resurrection sustains me. Unfortunately, some well-meaning Christians have gotten a hold of this verse and over complicated it. 
And here's what they've turned it into. I mean, listen to this. Always be prepared to theologically debate, argue, diminish, put down, be the loudest voice on social media, demean, demoralize. Make sure you have all the answers to anyone's objections. So who asks you to give the reason for why your version of Christianity is the right version of Christianity? Doesn't that seem to be more what's happening in the church than just giving an answer for our hope? There are people who think that their job is to try and shame people to the gospel. Now, here's the thing. To quote the Apostle Paul, I've been the worst offender of that. If there was a captain of really bad Christian witness, I would be the captain of that boat. I've not always done a good job. However, that's not what Peter said, was it? What Peter said was to give a reason for our hope. What is the thing that sustains us in those seasons of difficulty? What is the thing that will carry us through all the other seasons in our life? And the answer, according to Peter, is that Jesus rose from the grave. I know this because listen to what Peter said next. This, I'm going to read that first part. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander, for it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Now, I'm getting there, I promise. Here's the thing. Some people think that the reason why people don't like them is because they love Jesus, when the real reason they don't like you is because you're a jerk. I hear a few people going, Preach it! And then Peter tells us the hope. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Your hope is not in your theology. Your hope isn't in being Lutheran or being Baptist or non-denominational. Your hope isn't in speaking in tongues. Your hope isn't even in just the person of Jesus. Your hope begins with the resurrection of Jesus. And it's time we start remembering that, amen? amen? It's time that we start coming back and going, wait, wait. The foundation of our hope is Jesus rose from the grave. And if you're wrestling with that, I'm here to tell you that's okay. Now, here's typically where pastors will try and convince you of the resurrection. We'll talk about all the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. We'll try and lay out all the evidence and around the resurrection to convince you of the resurrection. And don't get me wrong, I think these things are important. We actually have a great resource for those of you who are like, I like that stuff. If you go to Right Now Media, Right Now Media is something that we pay for. We give you a free access to, and there's some great videos on all about the, the proof of the resurrection. And I'd highly encourage you, and if you don't have access, go to our website, go into resources, and it's there for your taking. You don't even have to go to our church. It's yours. Just take it. But here's the thing. There's a reason why we called it a simple faith, not simple facts, not simple explanations, but simple faith in the resurrection of Jesus. And it comes down to what Paul said in Ephesians 2.8. Faith is a gift from God. Which means faith in the resurrection is a gracious gift from God the Father and the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. So if you're struggling to believe, you actually can do a simple thing. You guys ready for this? Lord, help me in my unbelief. Help me. Holy Spirit, help me put my faith in the resurrection. Some of you have never taken that step and you're like, but Jason, I don't feel it. I never said you were going to feel it. Faith is not a feeling. Faith, like love, 
is an action and a choice. And yes, sometimes it has feelings, but if the only thing you're looking for a feeling, imagine if the only time you loved your spouse is if you felt like it. You'd have a pretty miserable marriage, wouldn't you? Faith is the same way. If the only time you have faith is when you have the feeling of faith, that is, that is a young faith, and sometimes that's okay, but as you mature in faith, God wants you to go to choose that faith daily. And so here's why we give a reason for our hope. It's my job is not to convince or argue, which is why I'm not going to go through all the ways to prove the resurrection. I can't convince you of the resurrection. I can't. I can't argue there. And it's not even my responsibility. This is actually one of the beautiful things about Lutheran theology. It was such a a blessing for me when I started looking through Scripture through the lens of Lutheran theology. It's not my job to save you. And it's not your job to save anybody else's. That's God's job. Amen? Amen? And so my job is not to convince you of the resurrection. It's to give a reason for my hope, not your hope. The only thing I... No one... And here's... This is a This is a true statement. I cannot question your experiences. They're your experiences. Now, I'm not saying that they're good or bad experiences, but they're experiences. You can't question my hope. You don't have the right to question. That's why it's my hope. Give a reason for your hope. And the hope that Peter is talking about is the resurrection of Jesus. You guys, am I connecting? Am I landing the plane here? Wow, right? Hopefully it's not nose diving. Like I'm going in. Everybody, is this plane landing? Okay, that's the part we're coming into is our job is simply to share our hope. I'm going to invite the worship team back up so that lets everybody else know you can take a breath and we'll be done soon. (laughs) My hope, my faith ultimately rests in one simple truth. Jesus rose from the grave. Now, here's the coolest part. I have these illustrations out here. This is going to get noisy for a second. That's slides. Microwave versus crockpot. Isn't this a cute crockpot? <laughs> it's a little weenie crockpot. A little put a little, never mind. Okay, so <laughs> this thing, the plug's not, it cut off. All right. So here's the thing. Sometimes people have what I would call a microwave faith. Faith for them was just like that. Now, to, po- to quote Pastor Derek, do you know how complicated a microwave really is, Jason? And I was like, shut up, I don't care. <laughs> Um, but some of us have a microwave faith. It just happens. You know what I'm talking about? Like some people, you just believe dumb. I can believe. Ding, ding, 90 seconds later, faith. Ah. Others of you have crockpot faith. Others of you, faith takes time. But here's the thing. A crockpot is still simple. What do you do with a crockpot? You put a bunch of ingredients in and let it sit there for an hour, two hours, 10 hours. Microwave, 90 seconds. Crockpot, four hours. What matters is not the time. The ingredients are what matter. It's the ingredients that are meant to be simple. The process, instead of worrying about it, some of you are like, Jason, why do I struggle so much? Because you have crockpot faith and that's okay. That feels like a (laughs) t-shirt. Doesn't that? I have crockpot faith and that's okay. Some of you have crockpot faith. Not a crock faith, a crock pot faith. Two different things. Some of you, your brain is wired in such a way. This is who I am. I don't have a microwave faith. I don't. Faith for me, it's something that I've wrestled through and I still wrestle through. And and then I come back and go, wait, 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 what are the ingredients of my faith? The most important ingredient of my faith is, say it with me, the resurrection. 
Because according to Scripture, without it, nothing else matters. And here's, let me share with you real quickly, and I want to give you a challenge. This is how the resurrection sustained me. It wasn't scientific evidence. When Lisa's mom was, when she died from cancer, you know what my hope was? I'm going to see her again. In fact, one day cancer will be gone. She'll no longer be in pain. And we believe she will, we believe in another resurrection that she will have a, a glorified body that that's where my hope was. That's what made me go, this is going to be okay. This really sucks right now, but it's going to be okay. You know what sustained me? When my church shut down and I couldn't find another job and I was like, God, I'm trying to be faithful. It was knowing that God can take bad situations and make them beautiful. And I praise the Lord because if it was not for that situation, I would not be at Zion today. God turns beauty out of ashes. And for those of you who have microwave faith, celebrate it. Say, thank you, Lord. I'm so grateful. But for those of you who you've got crockpot faith, that's okay. What matters is not how long it takes to get there, but the ingredients inside that make it what it is. And according to God's word, which I believe, which I have faith in, the one thing that uncomplicates faith, the one thing that sustains us through everything else is knowing that Jesus rose from the grave. He defeated sin and death. Would you stand with me? As we look at the world around us, and, and you're, maybe you're wrestling with, through this resurrection stuff, and I'm here to tell you that's, again, it's okay. Would you close your eyes for a moment? I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. We're going to have an opportunity to say, I believe. If you already believe in the resurrection, would you just lift a hand up to the Lord? If you're already like, I'm in, I'm all in. God, thank you for every hand that's raised. Thank you that you've done a work. If you're someone who's struggling to believe in the resurrection, would you lift a hand for me? That's okay. Here's what I want you to hear. God is faithful even when you are faithless, even when you're wrestling. And I'm going to pray a prayer for those who keep your hands up right now. If you're in that place of wrestling through, going, I just don't know. Lord, I pray that you would meet them in that doubt. God, that they would find their hope and security in knowing that Jesus defeated death. And, and God, faith is a gift. And so, Lord, right now, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would work in them, that there will be questions that can be answered. But that's why it's called faith, God. Not because it can be proved, but because the story of Jesus' resurrection gives ultimate hope to everything else in the world. Lord, we thank you that you are faithful and you are good. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, we're going to take our tithes and our offerings. And as we come to an end, um, do me a favor. Let us come. Let us bring our worship to the Lord. But for those, if you're wrestling through your faith, if you want to talk to somebody about it, that's great. If you want to receive prayer, we're going to have our prayer corner over there. But here's where the most uncomplicated thing I can say. And ready? Uncomplicated faith. Here it is. I believe in the resurrection. Say it with me. I believe in the resurrection. Now let's live like it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's come and worship the Lord.